Welcome to this week's episode of Allen Stocks Podcast, where you learn about stocks, investment strategy, and more. And now, here is your host, Connor Allen. Hello and welcome to the Allen Stocks Podcast. Thank you guys again for tuning in this week. Today is going to be a very interesting podcast. It's going to be a bit of a history lesson. Um, There's also going to be some stories along the way, so stick around and uh, expand your knowledge today. Today, I, I hope that I'll teach you to become a better investor, a smarter investor, and at the very least, an investor. Let's get into it today. So I read a book over the summer, and the book was called Big Mistakes, and the subtitle under it was The Best Investors and Their Worst Mistakes. So that was a very catchy title, and I thought, huh, maybe I can learn from all these people's other mistakes so I don't have to make my own. So I went and picked up the book. The book is by a guy named Michael Batnick. Michael is from uh, New York City, or he works out of New York City. Um, He is a contributor on a show called The Compound. The Compound is on YouTube with downtown Josh Brown. Josh Brown, you may have heard of, um, appears on CNBC every single week. He is on shows like The Halftime Report, Um, squawk on the street, squawk on the alley. So if you have time to go check out either Josh Brown on CNBC or Michael Batnick on The Compound, please do. Today we're specifically going to be talking about Batnick's book called Big Mistakes. So Michael Batnick in this book goes into, I think it's nearly 20 different investors' biggest mistakes. And he also gives a little bit of a background to each investor and what made them a great investor, and also the mistake that, in some cases, almost destroyed their career. Today, it seems to be a common theme that failures are viewed upon as learning experiences, and I think this is a good perspective to have. But personally, I don't really want to have a bunch of failures. Failures are not something to look forward to. They're something to gain experience from and learn from. But I was listening to Peter Thiel the other day, and Peter Thiel is the co-founder of PayPal, and he started numerous other businesses, including Palantir, which has been in the headlines in stock market news the past couple weeks. Their stock IPO'd about a month ago, maybe a little bit more, and it's been on a tear recently, just been doing phenomenally. I think it's started at around $10, and it's up over $20 at this point. But back to Peter Thiel. He had a very contrarian perspective on failures. As a business owner himself, he views failures not as a learning experience, but as a tragedy. And the reason for this is that he says, when a business fails, it fails for reasons one through five. And the problem is the business owner blames it on one or two or three or four or five. So when you go and start another business as a business owner, you try and learn from your first experience and you fix What happened with number one, but you forget about the other four, and those will crush your next business. So so Theo had to view that failures is tragedy, and that's how you should view it. You should not view it as some superior learning experience, even though that I think it can be a valuable learning experience, but at the same time, you should try to minimize as many failures, not open yourself up to as many failures as possible. And I think that's A common perception today is that dare to fail or try to fail. Um, And I I disagree with that on a philosophical level uh, and both on an investing level is that you should try to minimize your failures and optimize your success. And that's what I want to do here by talking about this today. And I think that's 
what Michael Batnick was trying to do through his book that he wrote about some of the biggest mistakes that the best investors made so that you can learn from them and maybe improve your investing strategy. So Benjamin Graham is the first investor that Michael Batnick writes about in this book. And I think that's fitting. Benjamin Graham was considered the father of value investing. Now, value investing is a form of stock market arbitrage. And so what you do is you buy undervalued companies and undervalued stocks, and you hold them until the true value comes out. The intrinsic value starts to show on the stock price, and then you sell them. And Benjamin Graham was very successful at this. All through the 20s, he was a big investor, and he was very successful until 1929 hit. And him, along with all the other investors in the stock market at the time, took a huge hit. And in 1929, after the stock market took its initial fall, Benjamin Graham was looking at these companies, and he was seeing them trading for less than five times earnings, some cases were less than one times earnings, and he was thinking the intrinsic value of this company is higher than the value, so I'm going to buy it now, and I'll be successful. Well, the problem was the stock market didn't just fall in 1929. It fell in 1930, 1931, and 1932. It fell over 70% during that span. Now, Benjamin Graham thought that his investing strategy would get him to time the market correctly. And this is a false perception from Benjamin Graham. And he quickly realized that he can't time the market, despite the low prices and the low value of a lot of different companies that he was investing in. And so the lesson that we can learn from Benjamin Graham's biggest mistake is that we should buy good companies, not good prices. Benjamin Graham had a student, and this student's name might sound very familiar to you. His name was Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is considered, um, well, one, he's called the Oracle of Omaha, meaning that he can see the future because of his stock-picking ability. Um, but he's widely considered one of the best investors of all time, and he's also a value investor, which, again, um, I'll reiterate, is where you buy companies that their intrinsic value is higher than the current value of their stock price. So Warren Buffett got together with his business partner, Charlie Munger, and decided to start a holdings company called Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway was ran by Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett starting in 1965. And to give you an idea of how good the returns were, if you invested $10,000 in 1965 in Berkshire Hathaway, today you would have well over $3 million dollars. Their annual percentage return has been over 20% on average since 1965, which is pretty unheard of. They've had some absolutely insane years, and they've also had some very low years. In 1999, when the stock market was shifting to technology, and you could have Joe down the street in his garage starting a company with .com on the back, and people would pile money into his company very fast and your stock market or your stock price would just soar. When this all was going on and technology was developing rapidly and everyone was obsessed and saying that the stock market was changing for all time, Warren Buffett did very poorly in the stock market. I believe 1998 to 2000 he didn't make 
over 5% in Berkshire Hathaway. Um, they didn't even get a 5% return. Meanwhile, everything else was up 70 to 80%. So everyone was telling Warren Buffett that he was uh, value investing was dead. He's not going to succeed anymore. But Warren Buffett had the idea that when this starts to happen, um, you stick with your strategy and you'll be okay. Well, in 2000, the bubble crashed. But Berkshire Hathaway did very well. And Warren Buffett proved all of his, I guess you could say, haters wrong when Berkshire Hathaway continued to get close to its average 20% return. And he basically shut everybody up. So his life is a testament to finding a strategy and sticking to it. If you find an investing strategy and it works for you, then continue it. It's not so much about picking the right strategy as it is picking a winning strategy, and there are many of them, and sticking to it. Picking a strategy is the easiest part, but sticking to it is the hardest part. When everybody else is making money and you're not making anything, you think that you're doing the wrong thing. Well, Warren Buffett was strong-minded enough to realize that while everyone else was making 80 to 90 percent in a bunch of these tech startups in 1999, and he wasn't making anything, he knew that his strategy in the end would outlast everything else. So you might ask, a man like Warren Buffett, what failure could he possibly have? Well, there was a shoe company with solid fundamentals that Warren Buffett wanted to purchase. And again, Berkshire Hathaway is a holdings company, so they go and purchase a big chunk of a lot of different companies and get returns from whatever those companies get. Um, so he looked at this company called Dexter Shoe Company and saw that it was valued at $433 million. Well, Warren Buffett went to the company and he decided to buy it. So he spent $433 million on Dexter Shoe Companies because the fundamentals and revenue growth and earnings growth was uh, pretty solid in the past few years. Well, because of the cheap valuation of this company based on their revenue and uh, earnings growth, he kind of overlooked the management of that company. And he focused on the value from what he thought the value came from and forgot about how important management of company is. So in the next five years after he bought Dexter Shoe Company, that management absolutely screwed the company over and it went from being worth $433 million when Warren Buffett bought it to zero in about five years. This was Warren Buffett's biggest failure. And we can learn from that in that there are so many ways to value a company. And basing your purchase on one valuation model does not set you up well for success. You want to look at all aspects of a company before you decide to purchase it. This next investor you may have heard of before. His name is Samuel Clemens. Or, as you might have heard him, Mark Twain. Well, Mark Twain was one of the highest paid authors in the U.S. at the time. So, you may have never known that he was quite the investor himself, but he had a lot of money laying around and he decided to uh, put it to work. So, he decided to invest in a lot of different companies. And he's taught a lot of good investment lessons and he's got quite a lot of good quotes. And one of my favorite quotes from him is on speculation. And what Mark Twain says about speculation is that there are two times when a man should not speculate in a stock. 
when he can afford it and when he can. And basically what this quote means is that never to spec, it, it means you should never speculate on a stock or an investment. You should know about it. You should understand the fundamentals and then purchase whatever you're going to purchase. So Mark Twain had a bad habit of getting attached to different companies and different stocks that he was buying and putting more and more in the worse and worse that they did. The way that he viewed it was, I like this company and the stock price is falling, so I'm going to put more money into it because I like this company. And even though it's failing, it's going to come back up. Well, this is considered investing in losers. And investing in losers is not a good strategy because while you're focused on your losers, you could be missing out on some winners, such as Alexander Graham Bell's light bulb. That's another investment that Mark Twain missed out on. Alexander Graham Bell actually came to Mark Twain and asked him uh, for his support. And Mark Twain thought that it was just some scam, seemed ridiculous. So he didn't invest in the light bulb. Well, he sure did miss out on that. And while he missed out on the light bulb, he invested in numerous scams and other companies that just basically stole his money. So the lessons that we can learn from Mark Twain is to not invest in losers. A great quote that I heard is that the best way to describe a stock that loses 90% is a stock that loses 80% and then is cut in half. And I think this is just a, it's a good encapsulation of why you should not invest in losers. These are three of my favorite investors and their biggest mistakes from the book. There's about 17 more, I believe, in the book, and you can go and check them out. Again, uh, I think you can purchase the book on Amazon. It's called Big Mistakes, The Best Investors and Their Worst Mistakes. It's by Michael Batnick. Now let's get on to our one stock focus of the week. This week, it's going to be Lululemon, ticker symbol LULU. Lululemon is currently trading for about $370 a share. Um, I first heard of this company, I think, probably four or five years ago. And I wasn't talking about their stock that I heard of. I heard about the company. Both my girlfriend and my mom wore a lot of Lululemon stuff back three or four years ago, and they still do today. And that's how I heard about the company in the first place. I think I probably bought my girlfriend some Christmas presents that were Lululemon back then, um, and I still do today. Uh, they're a solid company. They make a good product. Uh, I know a lot of girls who who really like um, what they have to offer. I also uh, have a couple things of Lululemon, and um, I, I really enjoy their product. It, it's uh, Their clothes are very comfortable. They seem like they're very well made. And let's go in and talk about uh, their actual company and some of the fundamentals of the company. So in the past three years, um, they have a three-year average earnings increase of around 30%, which is uh, very good. Um, and they just recently came out with a five-year growth plan. And their five-year growth plan uh, included expanding to men's clothing rapidly and successfully. And what this company has done very well is it has set goals and it has met those goals. And I think that's great thing for a company to do um, is to be able to uh, attain whatever goals they're setting. And in their five-year growth plan, there are some analysts that predict that the stock price could double in the next five years. And if if their plan succeeded, the value of their company would, would go up 
close to 100%. So if these analysts are correct, then it could be um, a wild ride for these next five years for uh, shareholders of Lululemon, um, I being one of them. So again, Lululemon makes a solid product, and they also have pride in their product. And one of the best things about this company is their good vision. They have solid management of the company, and having a vision is important for each company to have. What are you trying to accomplish? What goals do you have? And companies that have solid goals and solid vision are typically going to succeed more than companies without goals and without vision. And that's why I personally invest in Lululemon, and I'm planning on continuing to hold them and adding to my position as the years go by. That concludes our one stock focus of the day. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today, and I hope to see you guys again next week. This podcast is for informational purposes only. No advice given in this podcast is investment advice and should not be the sole reason to buy or sell any stock. If you liked this episode, please like and subscribe to hear the next great episode on Allen Stocks Podcast. Also, to contact us or learn more, please visit allenstocks.com.